Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon Jordan, and Martin Keown were on hand to look ahead to a massive weekend of sport. The Premier League returns with games such as Chelsea against Arsenal and the Merseyside derby to look forward to. Plus, Gordon Darcy helped us preview the Rugby World Cup semi-finals. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, look over your right shoulder. Yeah, dear me, Martin Keown, what is going on with our weather? It's terrible. It is almost pitch black out there, and it's going to be raining and windy throughout the day. It doesn't look good. Storm Babette, isn't it? Storm Babette, is it? Yeah. All right. Or or an offshoot of it. That's uh, that's with us, is it? Well, um, we'll just need to go on with it, won't we? Indeed. Your homestead's undercover at the moment, Jim, isn't it? They've almost closed Scotland down. The weather's so bad up there. Yeah. uh, Producer Luke and I were looking at some of the areas affected there. Perth, Pitlochry, Forfar. Mm. You don't want to be there this morning. Anyone listening this morning up there, good luck. Um, You know, bolt down the hatches. It's going to be a tough old day. So this closing it down for a storm and not for the latest draw of the football team. Ah, yes. Thank you very much indeed. We're there. You mean You're there. Defeat. Yeah, You're there at the Euros. Scotland are there at the Euros. We're all there. We'll all have fun. Martin Keown, Arsenal Invincible. Good morning. How are you? Very well. Very well. Seems yes, like was... a while. Yeah. Well, I think you took the week off last week, didn't you? So uh, uh, We did, yeah. A little bit we... of sand between your toes. We had a lot to do. So we had Sam Matterface, Alex Crook. We, uh, yeah, I thought we did an okay job filling in for the YouTube. Yeah. Oh, you did more the than oldies. okay. No, filling in for us, far from that. You took over. You were magnificent. Are you pleased to see domestic football back, Martin? I am. I mean, I've enjoyed the international break and some of the matches that I've seen, but we want it back. Well, I, I actually enjoy the break because uh, it's really quite full on, the amount of games that we do. We, you know, we're working in the media, uh, the analysis you're doing. So it's, a, it's an opportunity to have a look at the national team. We, and, our, and England are in really good shape right now. Yeah, so that's that's really pleasing, and one by one, all these nations are, are qualifying, aren't they, for the Euros? So no, it's it's been an interesting watch. I think watching the England team now is quite a joy. It's not a chore anymore. Yes. So that's good news from an England point of view. I think it is. Um, pundit fatigue. It's full on. Martin, you, you're right though. It is full on. And we need to recharge. Why to can't we recharge our batteries? Why are we any different to anybody else? It's right and proper, isn't it? We come back fresh, looking forward to this oh, weekend. Please don't start talking about pundit welfare. <laughs> oh, I'm just Please. talking about being at my best. Yes, and we break, do a break doesn't do any harm to anybody. And you're always at your best. Now you've always got this thing, Simon, about the north and the south, and you're super proud to be from the south. 
But Indeed. here's the thing. Tomorrow begins and ends with derbies. Liverpool host Everton, 12.30. Live and exclusive in Talk Sport. And then at 5.30, Chelsea take on Arsenal. But, I mean, is the Premier League in need of its own levelling up, but in reverse? I mean, Simon, when you look at it, when will the capital be back at the top table of the Premier League? In the past 13 seasons, only twice has there been a London-based title winner, both times from Chelsea. Yeah. Now, I mean, ironically, we come back this weekend and we've got two London clubs at the top. We've got Tottenham and Arsenal. But, I mean, is it likely to stay in that way? Probably not. No, I mean, I don't worry about things like that. I mean, obviously I'm a proud Southerner, but my son was born in the North and Michelle is Northern, so I can price in a different sort of thinking about the value of the North into my into my psyche. But I don't really care about who wins the title and where they where they originate from. I care about the best side and the brand of football that they're playing and that the best team wins the league. So if it happens to be a London side, great. But, you know, if the best sides are coming from the North and the Northwest, with Manchester City, Liverpool predominantly being in that equation, and at some point somewhere in the future, I suspect Manchester United, then it is what it is. I've said since the day dot, the most iconic team in the Premier League and the poster boys for the Premier League are Manchester United. Mm. So I don't sit there with some ridiculous... You know, one-dimensional mentality that needs to be a London side winning the Premier League. The best side wins the league, irrespective of where they come from. But you would concede that right now, as it stands, the North has been and is the powerhouse. But if you look at it over the thirty-odd years of the Premier League, that's always been thus. They have always been the big, the most, the biggest winners. So hello, well, we, for our we, we can up in the South. Well, it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, the cost implications of we just seen. The big Okay, we could then turn around and say, well, we need the spread of wealth to buy football clubs because ultimately the biggest trans- transaction currently, albeit Jim Radcliffe is about to step in and change the dimensions of that, has been a London club being bought for, by, for two and a half billion quid. It is what it is. The, you know, the, the, the Manchesters and the Liverpools of the world are better football clubs than the London ones right now. Yeah, I don't, think you, I don't think you need to worry about the separation of the North against... I mean, if you look at Manchester United and Liverpool since time began, and it wasn't just when the Premier League started, we're looking at nearly 40 uh, championships that they've won That's between right. them. It's quite, re- right. it's quite remarkable. And it's half that, isn't it, really, between Arsenal and Chelsea. Chelsea had won five of those since Abramovich arrived. It was 50 years between their first championship and their, and their second. So, yeah. obviously, the dominance do you think is... It's, do you think it's cultural, Martin? Do you think that because of the way that the North is set up, because of the way football clubs are configured in the North of England, where they become an absolute pivotal part of the community, as we've seen in Newcastle, when they arrive, they'll arrive, but they become such a fundamental... In London, with all due respect to London fans, they've got lots of other things they can do. There's 10 football clubs in and around the London area, and it becomes a sort of diluted perspective where... The, the sheer passion, commitment and unadulterated value that's attached to the football club in the north of England, whether it's in Sheffield, whether it's in Leeds, whether it's in Manchester and whether it's even in the Midlands, seems to have a different feel. As, as a former football club owner of a London yeah, club, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. that. I do. I mean, one of the reasons I went to join Everton was because it's a real hotbed of football. There's a fever mm. in the city. And that's, that's something we're seeing now at Newcastle. Look at their fans in the PSG game. It was, it was remarkable. And if you get that kind of energy behind you, Jim, as well, you've got the quality of the players. It's as an irresistible force, not force. As maybe their fans are from all over the place. You yeah. know, such a world uh, club now, aren't they? Everyone known throughout the world. Man City growing. Has, maybe hasn't quite got that fever, but it, you know, people now, it's really in their minds, the football they play, the brand they play. And Arsenal created that as well. And I, The recent game, Arsenal-Man City, I was in the incredible atmosphere in the stadium. And you've got to have, but these hotbeds in the north, 
have maybe something a little bit ex- extra special. What about tomorrow at five thirty? Chelsea taking on Arsenal. Uh, what's your thoughts going into that? Before we get your thoughts, uh, Martin Arteta spoke just a short time ago. Now, that much of the discussion going into this one uh, is around the goalkeeping situation. Aaron Ramsdale. Um, Ramsdale has actually been speaking about being dropped for David Raya at Arsenal. Um, Ramsdale himself said, "You bothered about the predicament you find yourself in." Yes, of course. It's the first time I've found myself in this situation. Um, he said that he's only played one of the past seven matches at the at club level after being dropped in favour of Raya. Would like to, but um, the only way to do it is is to work harder, to to show the passion that you have for the game, to contribute to the team in a different way, and uh, when you get the opportunity. Um, do your best and try to to help the team to win the game. So he's got to work harder, Martin. It, it, it sounds almost too obvious to say it, but I'm sure Ramsdale realizes that. Yeah, and he's only answering questions. This thing's going to run and run, isn't it? It's like a pantomime. Um, I do feel um, sorry, concerned for Ramsdale. Every time the you know there's a goal scored or a mistake made by Raya, the camera pans to him to see what his reaction is. And we've seen this, we've talked about this already. So I think the young man just needs to keep his head down, needs to work hard and hope that it changes for him. But at the moment, it looks like, you know, the only time he's going to play is in the League Cup. Played yeah. in the last one against Brentford yeah. and he's looking forward to the next one. That's really difficult for him. And he can see maybe he's, he feels like his career is ebbing away. But things can change very quickly, Jim, in, in football. Yeah. And if he's needed, I'm pretty certain he can come in and do an outstanding job. Although, at the moment, he's second he's second place. He's not the number one goalkeeper anymore. And that's, that hurts. How, how hard is it to fight back, Martin, and win your place back? Did, did it happen to you? Kola Turi was breathing down your neck a bit, was he not? Well, I was 37 years of age. I, in mostly in my career, I was by, being bought to come in to take somebody else's place. I never really experienced anyone being... Maybe Sol Campbell came in uh, right at the end of my career and that was discussed with me in a, in a grown-up way with the manager that me and Tony Adams would share the place next to Sol Campbell. Although when they saw him run and do pre-season and he was after 200 yards or 100 yards behind everyone else, the gaffer came <laughs> running to us laughing to say, I might have to, I might have to change that. Right. But right. by and large, we kind of did that through the season and Sol then was was quite magnificent. So it depends what stage of the career you're at. Yeah. It's probably different for a goalkeeper. There's no real way, is there, to climb, clamber back into the team unless you're being picked to show that you can demonstrate that you've improved that element. And very much um, the new goalkeeper's brought in because of what he does with his feet, not necessarily what he does yeah, with course, his Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, Simon, you continually say, no, Chelsea will be all right. They'll be all right. Yeah, Come the be. end of the season, they they'll won't be win okay. leagues. They won't, le- won't, they won't win leagues anytime soon because two things, they're behind the opposition and I don't think their manager's got it in him to do that. But they've just won two games and on the bounce. And, and, that's great. We, and it's Arsenal coming into and town. And that's great. That's and perfect and for them, and isn't and it? Ultimately, yeah. I mean, I still pick Arsenal to win that game. I still think Arsenal are a better side and I think the occasion will play itself out and the players are big enough to play the game rather than the occasion. I think the situation with the goalkeeper is very Pep Guardiola-ish in terms of, it feels like it's at the Pep Guardiola playbook in terms of, it, there's no mucking about here with Arteta. Last year, there wasn't much broken about the Arsenal side. The only thing that looked at certain times was defensively, they looked a bit short when it came to games when um, uh, their top centre-halves were out and they looked a bit short offensively because I don't think Enketi is good enough to give them what they need as a, as a as an alternate striker. But now he's moved on past that and gone, well, actually, no, 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 I'm, I'm not just going to look at those areas. The goalkeeper that's done really nothing wrong, I can enhance and that's very, very definite and brutal football management. Not brutal. Do, do you like that? Do you like well, I, that in I, Arteta? I, I think it's definite. 
And I think in life, yeah. you know, I'd, you'd be definitely right or definitely wrong, but you would be definite, <laughs> yeah. and ideally be definitely right. So I think this smells and feels like Ramsdale needs to go somewhere else if he's going to progress in his career. It doesn't quite have the connotations of Joe Hart, but it has a whiff of it in terms of he was uh, in and around being an England goalkeeper at the time. He was doing very little wrong, even though I didn't think he was a great goalkeeper. There wasn't glaring errors at Man City that would have made you think he's got to be gone. And in this instance, you can't expect... You can expect it if you want to, but you realistically can't expect a guy that has aspirations to play for the national side that's been commended and applauded for his performances last year to take it. But it shows you, doesn't be... it, the importance that the, the manager is placing on the goalkeeper. He probably sees the goalkeeper as actually the most important player. Well, I've pitch, always thought, which I mean... is remarkable when you see the modern day game and you see where he is. Yeah, Raya. But, but... and he went through a lot. That Man City game was almost like Keepergate moment. Because the, the pressure he was under... Gate. But hasn't the, it always the, been such? The I mean, fans I, were... Honestly, if you're in the stadium, the fans weren't sure. But because Simon, he's making that. mistakes. There's Gareth yeah, getting in touch. Arteta is showing massive disrespect to Ramsdale. Oh, he was part of the squad that but, pushed but, City all the way but, to the well, end. Hold on, this disrespect... He's striving for greatness. He wants, this, he wants this, to win the Premier League. disrespect because someone has a different view on you is a ridiculous... You know, uh, byproduct of society. If you don't, if you say something about someone that's not particularly praise uh, praise orientated, it's disrespect. It's interesting we talk about goalkeepers and their value. Martin O'Neill would sit here and tell you that the key component to them being Nottingham Forest that won the seventy eight seventy nine championship was Shilton, and it's always been such. And now it's being recognised. It's been recognised in transfer fees. It's been recognised in the value of what goalkeepers can do. And it's been made to be recognised by the fact that Guardiola's gone. I've got a goalkeeper that can play. A ball yeah. better than most midfield yeah. players. I mean, Rea yeah. was actually parked, wasn't he, next to the Arsenal central defenders. He's playing so high, yeah. so this is a, a change, so they can get yeah. more personnel into the into the top of the pitch. The goalkeeper's playing really high. Now, there is a risk value to that. Right. And at the start of this game, as I say, I was just trying to explain how it was. Now, in that game, I think Rea came, did full circle. By the end of the match, his kicking was absolutely outstanding, and maybe that's kind of the making of him. But it was a difficult moment for him. The fans weren't sure. Right. I've been to a few Chelsea Arsenal fixtures down here. Uh, one standout, and uh, there was another guy, Bob, agreeing with me there. Uh, the day Eden Hazard uh, ran half the length of the pitch at Stamford Bridge to score an absolute beauty against Arsenal. Chelsea Arsenal, what would they like to play in? I mean, as heated as Tottenham Arsenal? Maybe not. Well, any derby game is a big game. You know, and Chelsea, as we know, the history of the club. Uh, in the period that I was playing, they hadn't really emerged. They, they were 50 years, which we just talked about, between winning the, you know, in, in the 50s right through to 2005. And I'd gone at that point. I think the Abramovich money changed their club forever. But there's no doubt. I mean, I remember the game when Canoe scores, scores a hat-trick with 2-0 oh, down. And, yes. Honestly, some some of his football that day. If you if you have a look on YouTube to see his third goal, it's something absolutely sp extra special. To score the goal where he does, he's on the byline, and he just he whips it over the top of two World Cup winners' heads into the back of the, the goal after beating the goalkeeper. And then we were celebrating, of course, in that corner. I think that was really significant. Chelsea were going to go top then at that point. We were two 0 down, but that team was relentless. He just kept coming, um, and again, it was it was Canoe. He wasn't a, a starter. He wasn't. You know, he was he was he was noted as being a, never been a squad player anywhere else. But can imagine bringing that quality in, and that's the strength of it. You need yeah. to have a squad players you can turn to who do things with that extra special magic. And Canoe had that that day. And how do you view Chelsea and Arsenal now? Where are they now, Martin? Is your beloved Arsenal now? Mm. As, have they turned the screw when it comes to who's on the rise? Are Arsenal now uh, more on the offensive than Chelsea? Well, I think now it's becoming commonplace the consistency of Arsenal's wins. Last season, of course, you saw it was. A, a, a throwback now it's becoming more commonplace and you want that to continue but this is a tricky one going to Stamford Bridge 
You know, if you're a London club right now, what are there, seven London clubs in the Premier Leagues? That's 12, that's almost a quarter of your season. You're playing derby games and it matters. You know, they don't want to be reading about Arsenal in the local papers, saying how good they are, re-emerging, talking about goalkeepers. This is Chelsea now having won two matches back to back. Um, and, and what a Pochettino does in that period, Jim, he's got eight or nine players that are playing regularly. So there's a stability in his teams. He picks the same players, one or two that he changes, and slowly they're getting results. So they'll see this game now as perfect for them to, to knock the smile off the Arsenal faces. So you've got to go there and you've got to make sure you lay it down that you know, you're, you're re-emerging quicker than Chelsea are and Arsenal are on the way back. And this isn't an opportunity for Chelsea. You have to put your foot on them and make sure that they don't climb out yeah. of where they are right yeah. now. You see, for some reason, I think, Simon, after this international break and we get back to it and kapow, Chelsea, Arsenal, also Liverpool, Everton, we'll get to that. But I think Arsenal send out quite a serious message, Simon, if they go there tomorrow and win. I think they sent out a serious message by beating Man City last time out, didn't they? Um, I think the message has been well received. It's not a memo that people have missed. Arsenal aren't sitting around uh, lauding and applauding the last two seasons where they, they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory the season before last when they yeah. allowed Tottenham to sneak in. But last year's performance and the opportunities that that threw up. And then, as I wrote in the paper at the end of that season, £250 million probably needed to be spent on this team to enable them to stand still. And to consolidate their position, they have spent virtually that kind of money. There was a time where Arsenal didn't spend that kind of money. And it wasn't a time when they weren't being unsuccessful. It was a time when they were successful. But now they recognise, and for some reason or another, I think post the European Super League debacle, I think Kroenke stepped up and realised that there's a different way of owning a football club than being the silent billionaire. Yeah. And you've seen this now with Arsenal's ambition. They've still got to tick this box, in my view, about a 25-season goal scorer. If they tick, tick that box, and they can tick that box, yeah. then I think they will be a very, very, very viable challenger to Man City. Irrespective of the recent run of form of Man City are in, they are still the team I agree. to be in domestic football and European football. I'm with you on that, Simon. Um, Martin, do your beloved Arsenal go there tomorrow and win? Yeah, I, th I think they can. I think, though, we have to pay respect, though, don't we? Palmer now playing on the right, Mudrick uh, finally scoring a goal. Uh, for Chelsea, Jim, they're buying such talent there, and it's Pochettino. It's got to try and find the right ingredients to make them successful. But Arsenal go there in a in a rhythm. Uh, I mean, I, we we're talking here about goalkeeper and some of the negative stuff, but I mean, I watched Saliba play against Haaland oh, yeah, last time him, out, and honestly, Jim, he's what, back. we talk yeah. about targeting players, targeting yeah. your opponent. Yeah. He's he looked magnificent. It's a great partnership forming there. So you're going to have to defend against against Chelsea. Uh, they don't score a lot of goals, but Arsenal need to. It's an area Arsenal need to improve. And as we spoke about earlier, the manager's already demonstrated. If you don't, whatever position you're in, mm. if you don't, if you're not producing, then they'll find somebody else who will do it. That's so fresh for the group. Five thirty, Chelsea against Arsenal. Earlier, Liverpool host Everton. We shall get to that. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Newcastle uh, take on Crystal Palace. Arsenal Invincible Martin Keown alongside Simon and myself this morning. Now, of course, Newcastle, Sandro Tonali Martin in the news for what many would argue was the wrong reasons, of course. He's set to play for Newcastle United against Palace tomorrow despite facing a possible 12-month ban from football for his part in this Italian betting investigation. What's Eddie Howe saying about it? Well, we'll find out now because he's just been speaking. I think he trained twice this week with us. And yeah, no, he's very much available for selection. Like I do with all the players, analysing their training performances, how they look, how they feel. And Sandro's trained well with us. He's had a very, very difficult couple of weeks. He's been dealing with a lot and 
from what I can see, from you know, I, I see him for a few hours a day. From what I can see, he's handling himself really well, and he's dealing with his emotions incredibly uh, strongly. But underneath that, I'm sure there's a lot going on. So I'll have to make a call. Um, but I, always, I, I have to bring it back to football. I have to bring it back to his training performances and, and what he's delivering on the training pitch, and then try and make the best decision for the team. Uh, for me, it's absolutely crucial. It's the most important part of this whole incident is, is Sandro and his welfare. And it's very easy for people to forget how young he is, um, the changes he's had in his life, coming from Italy to England. That's hard enough to deal with, and now he has, of course, this situation. So we feel as a football club, well, straight away, it was throw our arms around him and protect him and try and give him the love and support that he needs to um, find solutions to the problems that he's had. And that's what we're endeavouring to do with a lot of conversations, a lot of communication with him and his family, because it's not just Sandro, it's the people around him that are going to be so important to him as well. So it's been a, a big effort from us. And I have to say he's handled himself, as I said, superbly well. He's been um, obviously emotional, but um, handled himself with respect and dignity. Tonali's agent has been talking about uh, a gambling addiction that his client uh, maybe um, is experiencing. Um, Eddie Howe Simon was talking about Sandro Tonali there and his welfare. It's yeah. all about that. And I understand that. I totally understand where Eddie's coming from. Yeah. I saw you getting very animated during that during that burst of audio from, from Howe. What's in your mind? Well, it's just the irony of the, the necessity. I know that he's their player. I mean, throwing his arms around him, I'd have to throw my arms around his neck because he's put Newcastle in a position that he didn't envisage they were going to be put in. It's no good. He's a 23, 24-year-old man. He's not a boy. You know, this this degrading of people because it happens to be of a certain age because they've done something that's wrong. Look, I understand they've got to protect their asset. I understand they can't give anything to the media because the media will turn it into something even bigger than it is. But look, the, the young man has seemingly done something um, that puts everybody in a difficult position including himself and he has to reap the consequences of it now whether it would be any different with to the Paqueta situation where Paqueta is still playing for West Ham and there's no outcome yet to be determined and whether we want to turn it into this could be his last game for Newcastle this season when we've got another example maybe different with Paqueta being accused of something similar not illegal betting platforms but notwithstanding it breaching betting rules inside the game full stop so with those in mind it, will, it doesn't necessarily mean it's his last game but this must be exasperating it is the player has let him not only himself down he's let everybody down the agent and I make I, I say these things with no apologies I don't diminish addiction I do sometimes become concerned that it's played as a card in this day and age to get you out from underneath something when the problem lands at your doorstep which diminishes people with real addictions do you think and, the agent's playing a card here well he may well play back on him because if he starts suggesting that the player has a gambling addiction, the question like we have pushed uh, is, well, when did you first know about this? And are we starting to see that people have sold something to somebody knowing that this particular situation was a situation that was damaged by the potential jeopardy that was unfolding well, in front of it? So he may Eddie come Howe. back and bite his rather smart arse. Uh, Eddie Howe does say, doesn't he, when he comes to the club, that he was really surprised to get him because this was a player playing in the semi-final of the Champions League. Yeah playing to a really high level and he chose to come to Newcastle and you wonder you know how much about this case was known by the selling club at the time the only caveat I would say to that is that the Italian football isn't, isn't absolutely dripping in money and a lot of these Italian clubs are finding difficulties and they're having to sell we saw you're right Sam Milan's one of them we yeah. saw Inter Milan yeah. a couple of seasons ago that's why the delightful Conte made himself available because he couldn't stay at in Milan anymore internationally because of the yeah. ramifications of yeah. the financial landscape yeah I mean Martin 
I suppose you won't be surprised that Paul Merson comes into the conversation here. And on Twitter, Paul said, just want to wish Tonali all the best from this horrible addiction and hope FIFA and everyone else goes easy. Understand this is an illness. Stop throwing out uh, big bands to help people get help. Um, we know so that Paul... So I mean, saying, Paul has everybody a, calm down, the boy's he, got a problem. Well, Paul has a real great understanding of this, doesn't he? And for those of us that don't sort of carry these uh, addictions that Paul has been through, I mean, Paul's obviously understanding of the uh, and, and sees this as an illness, something far greater, far bigger. So we have to support the player. Are you if, with Paul on this? Well, I mean, I, I, what I feel is if you are addicted, why would you actually bet on actually the, the games that you play in? Why would you? You can bet on anything. So you would be stupid to actually try to do this and put your own career in, in jeopardy. So I don't quite understand that element. Yeah. Of the, I, I, I'm all for protecting people with illnesses, with addictions, and we should support them. Um, and try to get them through. It seems like that is the attitude that Eddie Howe is taking. But what else is he to do? He yeah. has to support the player. I mean, ironically, he's gone away to play international football and they've thrown the book at him. The Italian, he's been arrested. He's been marched off the training ground. So there's an indignity to all of this. There's a shame to this. So the player needs to be supported. It's albeit, not an easy one. The, the head of Italian Federation has come out and said some very supportive things about being a young boy and so on and so forth. So on one hand, he has been, as you rightly say, removed from the Italian camp. But on the other hand, you've got the Italian Football Federation uh, chief exec or chairman coming out and using these very flowery terms yeah. about how this young man, this boy, needs to be looked after. These are 23, 24. These are men. It's not boy. It's man. He's getting paid like a man, getting treated like a man. He's a man. He might be an immature man, but he's a man and he's accountable for his actions. And you're quite right to point out, not only has he... Bet on his own team, which is just come on. If you're a gambling addict, no, that, well, that's been reported. Certainly, we don't know that for I sure. Whilst I can't price in the thinking of an addict because I'm not one, but you know, if you, self-preservation in terms of losing your career over it, maybe losing all your money because you can't control the addiction, but you can bet on other things and then using illegal platforms as well as, as part of the allegation as well. So he's got the full kit and caboodle. And with respect to Paul Merson. The greatest thing in the world to concentrate someone's mind is a consequence. And during the time that he is either, if indeed these allegations are found out to be true, taken out of the game, then his time will be well spent making sure that he deals with his problem. It isn't the game's problem. It becomes Newcastle and the game's problem because of his but behaviour. But is, is it fair, though, that this, I mean, this gambling problem would have been well known, surely? And, you know... If it is that Newcastle have paid £52 million, are they due some compensation here? They, well, they're not going to have a player potentially we were, for a year, we were for 18 months. This, we yeah. were discussing this with someone the other day that was well-versed in addiction. Uh, and, and it wasn't well-versed in addiction, but had experience in his own life, Danny Murphy. And he said the one addiction that you'll not be able to pin your finger on is gambling addiction. It's the one that's held, held back the best because you don't see the physical ramifications of it. Yeah, it's the easiest one to hide. Easiest one yeah, to so hide, is yeah. it the one most of all that we should yeah. be encouraging people not to do? You know, the well, I, don't slogan, the I don't think anyone encourages them to do it in the first well, place. Well, the slogan well, is yeah, gamble yeah. responsible. Why not gamble? Just don't gamble at all. Is, is, is it too but it, high but, risk for people? But if, if, you if it was as easy balance, as that, Martin, they if you can't do find it. a balance in your life and you're an addictive type personality, don't go near gambling. Well, you're not going to have the gambling industry. It's the gambling industry that puts that message out because they're obligated to buy Gamble Aware and they have to have a particular way of operating. And so put gambling responsibility. It's a strap that the advertisers that are putting out the gambling advertising will do on behalf of the companies. But the point is, is that you cannot s expect the gambling industry to maintain and monitor what individual footballers are doing. And more importantly, it is not about the societal issues with it. This is a this is a prerequisite that you cannot have yes. in football. They know it. They can't really gamble. So they know why do they it? They can't do it. They know, uh, yeah. But Simon, the fact of the matter is, and we're not seeing this uh, fairly and squarely about Tonalia or to the extent that he's been doing it, some of them do do it. 
We know that. Well, it well, goes on. And Rob's saying, instead of cracking a whip in Tonali's direction, Rob, one of our listeners, is saying, when you're dealing with addiction, the consequences are the last thing you think about. It's hard to understand unless you've suffered with addiction. So surely a little humility and compassion here, maybe. What are you asking and for? That, and that tone well, yeah, I think was coming, exactly I think the right tone that Eddie Howe demonstrated. Yeah, yeah, fine, but because he's protecting an asset, I should imagine behind the scenes, if he's being entirely honest, he's probably quite fed up with the situation. And but, thinking, would why you, but if you were at the top of the house at Newcastle this morning, Simon, would you not back Eddie and have a similar tone to Eddie? Or would you be saying, this guy knew the consequences of this, of he's both. dropped us in trouble? I'm, 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 tragically for me, I'm a realist and a bit of both. I would say he's my asset, so I've got to try and protect him. And at the end of the day, it's a human being, I've got to take it yeah. to a human level. Also, at the same time, I'll be sitting there going, you know, this has been visited on our door. I didn't invite this in my door. I didn't sign somebody with this yeah. problem. It's not my problem to cure, but it's now my problem to make, to manage. So what, if, if you're and it's a real lesson for the other players, isn't it? See what's happening. Oh, yeah, here. see what's going Let's on with him. Let's not do this. Let's but, not get involved this did, you this did you have sympathy and still have sympathy with Merson? I have people, yeah, of course, anybody who, who suffers addictions, you do. You, you know, you see the person disappear in front of you because of all these different addictions. You know, like Paul Merson now is, is smoking cigars. The first thing I said to him was, don't do, don't do it. That's the latest addiction. Be addicted to life. Yeah. You know, be addicted to that. Be that addicted to charitable factor. causes. You be know, addicted this, to doing good in the world. Correct. But if it was that simple, we all would be. Yes, I know. But what, we're we're, all the same. But what you're asking for is you're asking for a deep-seated empathy for a situation and you're asking for a deep-seated understanding. Now, at this moment in time, we are pulling apart the idea that he's a gambling addict. We don't know that he is. We are listening to this being put out every time. We never hear this. No one volunteers anything about their addictions when they're before they get caught in the problems with it. Now, I know it's going to be very difficult for a sportsman to advance the notion that he's a gambling addict because he'd already been breach of the rules. The problem is it, it does feel sometimes, and I don't care if people don't like this, that it's a go-to point of view which diminishes the people that are really, really addicts. And it feels like it's a... If you're an addict and you've got yourself into a situation, then unfortunately, in the sport that you're in, there's a consequence to be paid. And what people are asking for is, uh, well, we don't want that consequence to be too harsh. The consequence should be the consequence, but by the same token, there should be a, a certain amount of support provided to make sure that it never repeats itself. So you can't, you can't make the argument, I want clemency and less of a sentence because this person couldn't help themselves. I'm afraid that doesn't cut it. I mean, it's a problem out there. Neil and Chester, his, his message this morning demonstrates that. Jim, I'm a gambler. If I were a Premier League footballer, I would still gamble. It's not something you can turn off. One thing I would say is that no one throws the help that Tonali's getting at me, says Neil and Chester. It's a problem. Of course. I know, and it's a problem and the, and the at all yeah. levels and maybe of society. Then the, the powers that of be, we're looking at the punishment that's going to be levelled at this player. What we're asking yeah, for. And, what and we don't want to use help that as an should come before consequence. Well, it should be a two-tiered approach, shouldn't it? It should be a rehabilitation and it should be a consequence. You should have a stick and a carrot. And someone's saying here that I've upset them because he's a gambling addict and he doesn't like what I'm saying. I am not diminishing legitimate addiction. I worry in certain instances where the card is being played, which for someone's a legitimate and, and, and bona fide addict and suffering from all the ramifications of it, I wouldn't diminish that. But why right. would you gamble on things that actually affect the perform well, you know, your, your own team in the same league? Because maybe it's too late to why, ask why that. Would, if you're addicted to something, then you're not thinking rationally in the first place. Exactly. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Download, stand well back. Listen, Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. It seems like a good time to talk about Liverpool-Everton. By God, Premier League football is back, isn't it? Liverpool-Everton. But then you look at it and you think, Everton, where have you been in this fixture? Where have you been? Liverpool have only lost one of their last 25 Premier League games against their great Merseyside rivals, Everton. And that was a 2-0 home defeat behind closed doors in February 2021. Um, I don't know, Martin, where I, where I phrase this. And I don't, it's a sensitive subject and Evertonians will be all too aware of it. How do they shift their inferiority complex here? Well, if I take you back to, I mean, this is since the time began Premier League. This is the 63rd Premiership derby game between these two game, two teams. And it is, Jim, something special, particularly when you're, you wear that blue of Everton and you wander into to Anfield, you know there's the the electricity of the game, the atmosphere is quite remarkable. And I and I remember it takes me back to that first game. And incidentally, the game at Everton won. And back in the day, it was, you know, it was Barnes and and Co. And what a wonderful team they had. You know, the, the years of the eighties and the nineties, the Dalglishes and everyone it was in everyone's mind. And we were, but for me, it was I learned a great lesson because not coming from the area and, I, and what a tremendous hotbed it was, the, I found the game a great leveler. I'd played against these teams for Brighton, for Villa, and been thumped. And here we were suddenly playing in, in a Merseyside derby, and they were playing not with their heads, with their hearts. And I thought, hold on, we've got a chance in this game. And I felt that those games were very, were very different. Now that may be the chance, the fighters' chance that the Everton players have in this one. Recently, of course, again, away from home. I think they've only won two games since, away from home since Sean Dyche has been there. But they've played really good counter-attacking football against Brentford, not re- quite recently. They've won two or three games. They're now changing the personnel. There have been a few changes. Uh, Brentford's come in and played at the back, Jim, so there's a little partnership emerging there. They, they're using Ashley Young at right-back instead of left-back. Michelena now is coming into the team. So the midfield, uh, Gardner is, 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 is progressing, playing more centrally. Harrison did really well in the game before. So Awobi has been allowed to leave. So Sean Dyche has been managing really well from the start of the season. It was a disastrous start to the season. Yeah. And they're re-emerging. Whether they can do anything at Anfield, um, Jurgen Klopp will be complaining that it's another 12-30 exactly. game. You know. Incidentally, though, I think he has a point, though, in all of this. He's way, I think it's something like 12 games now that they've played at 12.30 and there's only 
the nearest club to them, I think five, I think is Spurs that have played after a, an international weekend. Or so even. what's his point? Well, the point is that he doesn't want, why are they always picked upon to be the early kickoff game? And in fact, we'll, we'll see it again in a month's time when they play Man City, we'll be at the 13th early kickoff after international weeks away. I, I do feel when all the players from all corners of the earth are coming back together to, be called, to form Team Liverpool or Team Arsenal, whatever, it is a little bit tricky. You know, so I have some sympathy there that the twelve thirty game should, if it doesn't apply after European weeks, it shouldn't be there for the international weeks. But I either. don't get it, Martin. Well, you don't it's, get it because you're not a player. You've not been a player. It's Jim. two and a half hours earlier. What's the, what's the well, problem no, with it? We don't know how long it's taken Diaz to come back from Colombia, do we? When did he arrive back? Yeah, but is, and I think what Jim points making is, is does two and a half hours really, really make that much difference? Yes, I think it does actually. That yeah. morning, that lying Why? in the that lying, that extra the, the food hours. that you have, you know, you're not having spaghetti bolognese at eight o'clock in the morning. You're having it slightly later. I think that why I do have to, I do sympathise with Liverpool. That, that why is it always Liverpool? You know, so have thirteen. We're twelfth weekend that we've seen it. So look, what Klopp can't do is allow it to affect the players, which they did against Wolves last time out. The last set of internationals they came back, they were awful in that first half against yeah. Wolves, and they fought back. They won the game three one. So it's in the mindset a little bit, and it's perfect. It's a bouncing Anfield. Yeah. It's at yeah. home. I think it's important. After I want to ask you this, Martin, to play and, at home. And, and I do hope Evertonians don't get miffed by this. But when you pull on that Everton shirt and you play Liverpool, how aware are you that you're playing? Let's not forget the great successes for though, the smaller the, the mid eighties. Let's not forget in the eighties, Merseyside in the 80s, club. It was it was neck and neck for a time. Of course, what Liverpool were doing in the Champions League was was to an, was to another level. Forty odd years ago, Martin. Yes. Um, but but you have to. There's always an underdog, you know. But you should never live in their shadow. You've got to want to. Be, you've got to want desperately to beat Liverpool. And as I said to you, there is a great leveler. Fantastic talents were miscontrolling the ball. But when John Barnes played, I mean, I'm not saying that he didn't do great things against Everton because he did. Put the put the YouTube of a four-four match on in and around that time. Credible football. But if you actually playing for if Liverpool, you do a poll of Rangers and Celtic point. players uh, uh, fans this morning, they would say Rangers fans would say we are every bit as good as them. Maybe they're not, but that's what they'd say. Celtic fans would say, you're kidding. We're miles ahead of them. But if you spoke to Liverpool and Evertonians... You have that fighter's chance. Ever Everton fans, I think, would admit, hands up. We've been way off it when it comes to so playing what, this lot. Yeah, but so when they go into that game, is that what they're to believe? That they, They've got to believe they're creating something new at Everton. In all that adversity, they don't know if the ownership's taking place. In that backdrop, they're going into Anfield. They're 16th in the table. They're climbing up the table slightly. There are two or three wins recently, Jim. They've got to look on the positives. Yes. Look, we know yeah. it's difficult. And Liverpool have not been brilliant at home at times, have they? Conceding the occasional early goal, they've got to hope they can do that. You've got to go in with that fight. What you're chance. doing is you're, 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 you're taking this as a micro conversation. Jim's making it a macro conversation, which is basically over the 20 odd times that they've played, 25 times, that the, the difference between Everton and Liverpool is vast. You've got in this, to create in, this individual, in this individual game, you're suggesting that because it's a derby, if you did it without the derby factor against a side that was third in the Premier League or fourth or wherever Liverpool are, and a side that's struggling at the 16th, you'd always price in the fact that the 16th side are going to get themselves a, a, a handful of problems. In this instance, there's an added ingredient, which is the, the derby. But even in this instance, statistically, it doesn't prove anything because Everton don't win. So let's all pack up and go home. No, I'm not and, saying and that. We're, talk, we're talking about in the global perspective. I'm not saying no, 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 of course not, because every game you go into, you've got How to try and How did they change believe. it though, Martin? How did they change it? Better players. Well, I think I think what you have to look to, and I know... We Liverpool could, have we're, lost one We're clutching the, the straws, 25. I suppose, if you want to see an Everton victory there, because if you think the performance against Brighton when they were quite magnificent away from home last year, yep. the, the one against Brentford, but these are only two results in all that time that Sean Dyche has been at the club. So it's very unlikely, but nonetheless, you have to look at that, don't you? You have to look at the positives yeah. and think, well, okay, we can do this again. If you see, if you see, we can uh, upset the apricot. If you see uh, two thirty on Saturday afternoon, Liverpool three, 
Everton nil, you'll be like, I expect that. If you saw Everton three Liverpool nil, you'd fall off your chair, wouldn't you? Spot on. As we did when they beat Brighton. Yeah. Was it five? Yeah. Away from yeah. 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 Well, I'll, I'll ask you, man. Liverpool, Everton, who wins it? I think Liverpool win the game. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. The semi-finals of the Rugby World Cup are upon us. Can't wait for this tonight at 8 o'clock. Yeah, I'll get in front of it. Argentina against New Zealand. And then tomorrow night, Mr Jordan uh, is going to put a little wager on his beloved England doing the job against South Africa. Whether that happens or not is another matter. Um, Two-time Six Nations winner with Ireland, Gordon Darcy, joins myself, Simon and uh, Martin this lunchtime. Gordon, before we go any further, I suppose there is still... Still a nagging disappointment as far as you're concerned that your beloved Ireland did not make it. Yeah, I've a couple of few a couple of extra grey hairs in the beard and the hair after that match. <laughs> um, and it was the first time I wore a jersey to a match since I've retired. So um, probably the first time I've been really got invested in a game. So now, I think they did us proud in a like both of those uh, quarterfinals. There wasn't geez, in any of the quarterfinals, there wasn't much in it. Um, you take your hat off to New Zealand and our boys did us proud. I thought they were magnificent, Gordon, uh, Ireland, the way... Was it 37 phases at the end of the game? I mean, both teams showing tremendous discipline. They didn't want to give a penalty away, New Zealand, but the Irish just kept coming and coming, didn't they? Was, I thought they were the better team. Um, well, yeah, history tells us otherwise, unfortunately. Mm. Um, you, give, you give New Zealand a 13-point head start. Yeah, with the territory they had, yeah. the Irish, and they, they were breakaway tries, weren't they? With the, I think the Irish lost it trying to win it, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think Jordy Barrett's uh, legs, tummy, and arms were the difference. Um, you know, a little bit more composure from Ireland if they instead of shearing off from that mall, and they could have walked over the line or got another penalty try. So, listen, ifs, ands, and buts doesn't matter. You take your hand off to New Zealand, and you know we'll uh, we'll come back again um, four years time and Six Nations and everything. We'll just keep going. Um, Gordon, so tonight. Argentina going against New Zealand. Can you make a case, Gordon, for Argentina to win this? Um, not massively, um, but as you know, we found out last weekend, uh, two of the favourites went out um, to the underrunners. Now there's a big gap between um, Argentina and New Zealand. I think where Argentina will play, and this will probably apply for England as well, there's such a massive outperformance from both those teams from last week, so New Zealand uh, and uh, South Africa would be such heavy favourites going into this game. Will they be able to get as emotionally uh, emotionally high as they did last week for those games? Um, and that'll be an area that Argentina will look to look to look to kind of win in the kind of any of the grey areas. That's where they look to drag uh, Argentina down. Um, so that's probably where they go. Big physical, um, lots of defence. But the question mark for Argentina is when they have the ball, can they hurt uh, the All Blacks? And if the All Blacks replicate any sort of a defence they did last week, it's hard to see how they would. Okay. So, of course, tomorrow night, England against South Africa. Uh, Mr. Jordan, I have to say to you, Gordon, just before I go any further, um, uh, you should feel extremely pleased with yourself. You're, you're a special person because you're the only person Simon would wear headphones for. Normally, he doesn't like his hair being ruffled, doesn't like the wig getting uh, ruffled up, but he's wearing headphones because he wants to listen very intently to what you're saying. England against South Africa. Um, Gordon, the underdogs, the underdogs tag definitely with England here. This was Steve Borthwick on that. 
We concentrate very much upon us. It's what we've done every single week. How do we develop and how do we progress as a team? And I think that's the central thing. I think this team has progressed um, through each each week we've had through this tournament. We've built and we've built and we've built. And whatever situation the players have found themselves in in the game, is the players have found a way to get the result they want at the end of it. And we know this weekend is going to be is, is different. Every game is different. But I also know we've got a great group of players who care deeply about representing England. I want to make sure they put in a, a performance they're all proud of and our supporters are proud of on Saturday night. Gordon, picking up on the back of that, when you look at this, I mean, obviously a lot of people before the tournament had no real regard for England. And I mean, I spoke to Lawrence Delalio before the tournament. He expected England to get through to the quarterfinals and the draw would be kind. And that draw would subsequently give us an outcome that might have got us to a semi-final. Yet here we are in a semi-final against the South African side that's just taken France out of the tournament, which means some of the air will have gone out of the febrile atmosphere that would have been in France for this tournament. Can you make any case for the performances that you've seen England um, not so much labour through but, but be very physical in getting through and the challenges that they've had overcoming a South African side yeah but I think you also you don't apologise for which side of the draw you come on you can only no, no. you cannot control the controllables that side of things like they've had to get here they've had to win teams that hasn't been pretty um, mm. but they are here um, and I think that does count for something and that does give a bit of confidence um, into this group of players Um one of the things they will be able to match South Africa for is the physical element of the yep. game. Um, so the set piece, the scrum on the ball, like you won't see uh, Damien Dunsa opting for a scrum if he catches a 22 ball this week against England because England will be able to, and they brought in Martin in the second row and they have Chisholm on the bench. They have big boys as well and the Toje's found a bit of form there. So they're not going to get the same um, access that they have done up until this, this point. For me, it actually the biggest concern. I would think. I think the English defence has been the bit that they built this whole tournament and this whole campaign on. Their defence has been fan- fantastic. Mm-hmm. Ben Earls at number eight, not a traditional number eight, a bit of a gamble paying him there, but it's worked out. And just the energy in their defence has frustrated an awful lot of teams. Now, the concern for England will be when they have the ball in hand, and that's probably the biggest area that they haven't. They haven't scored an awful lot of tries. Um, and that's uh, a, a, an area you wonder if, when if both teams have parity up front and they're both knocking seven colours out of each other, mm. who's more likely to score tries in breakaway or broken play? And I think that may be um, South Africa's. But a lot of their play to date, and the, in the, you know, the, we, we base this off of their uh, games today, get front football. Um, so England stopped that. Does their attacking threat be maintain the same uh, potency? Just, just want to ask a question. Just a um, really interested, Gordon. Your, your feeling on this George Martin, who's come in, and I've had a look, look at some of the clips of him. He's an absolute beast, isn't he? Powerful, strong. I mean, are they just going to take the South Africans on for strength? Ellis Genge has been left out, who was a player I really like. Um, were you surprised at that? Um, well, I think it's a bit of horses for courses. So Ellis Gens, you know, you got to, you get into this thing of um, your starter versus a finisher, an old Eddie Eddie Jones uh, ism. Um, Ellis Gens will be massive uh, for 30, 40 minutes in this game. Um, so they've brought in two scrum specialists who won't add a huge amount around the park, but they will make sure the set piece is exactly where it needs to be for 60 minutes. And he's absolutely right. Mike Martin has come in to go to try and 
counter the physical the physical uh, threat that Khaleesi brings as well as uh, even Etzbet Steptatoy like their outside flanker is six foot eight, so like that puts uh, everything <laughs> in, everything, puts everything in perspective so England you know but England are playing to their strengths and you have to congratulate them on that so their defence has been absolutely fantastic in this tournament so they're doubling down on that as well as trying to neutralise a little bit of the South African threat you, you, one of the things that I picked up from Lawrence was the emotional composition of a team's performance and their ability to be able to to harness that. Do you think there's any jeopardy for South Africa that, that, that in the game beating the hosts and beating the French, that might be a zenith for them, whereas England have gone through results and as the tournament's got on, we've got more and more confident and they haven't reached their emotional zenith. Do you think any of that comes into play in this semi-final? I, I think massively. I think it's a brilliant point and it's something that's really under... Well, don't it's tell under, that, Gordon. Underplayed. Yeah, but it, it's but it's you, like what Paul O'Connell always you talk about. You've got to go to the well, but you don't want to be going to the well every week. Who's in the final? <laughs> okay, um, unfortunately, I'm going to go. I'm hoping for an England uh, Kiwi final, but I think it will be a South African uh, a South African Kiwi final. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back on Monday to bring you the best of the show.